0: Management.
1: You chose to take a journey down a long and dangerous trail. Chose to serve your country and we know you served us well. But now you're back and it's our duty to keep you safe Shake your hand and welcome you back home with open arms. We're America, your family,
2: the land of liberty. We're thankful for your sacrifice, your fight to keep us free. We are America, and we truly do believe you're the backbone of. said that we are but one generation away from forgetting our history. Welcome to American Heroes Network, where we serve our American tradition. Your hosts are Gary Ray and Ted Griffin, Jr. In our program, you will hear firsthand the personal accounts of heroes whose unselfish actions have contributed to the traditions and values that represent the soul of America. You'll also hear from our partners and affiliations presenting news events and ways that our veterans and their families can rebuild their lives. Now, here are your hosts, Gary and Ted. Good morning and welcome to the American
3: Heroes Network. I'm Gary Ray and we have a special treat for you today. We have King Charles Eggleston filling in for as our, as our co-host. And how are you doing this morning, Charles?
1: Everything's great. Just a nice, cool day today. Not as cool.
3: warm as it is there. Oh, no. It's going to be, uh, by noon in the 80s. So I thought I'd rub that in a little.
1: <laughs> That's bad. That's real bad.
3: <laughs> but anyway, we, I have the honor of introducing our guest today. Uh, our guest is United States Marine, retired Corporal Chris Bowers. Uh, good morning, sir. How are you doing? I'm doing excellent. Now uh, you in the same area as Charles, aren't you? Uh, more or less. Uh, it's still cold up there, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it's not bad today. Sunshine. Uh-huh. Oh, that's good. That's good. That means it's melted the stone, right? <laughs> yeah. 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 All right. Well, might as well get right to the beginning here, uh, Chris. Uh, tell us uh, what happened in Afghanistan.
4: I was I was injured in Iraq in 2008. I suffered a crush injury to uh-huh. my left foot. Uh, it was uh, it was a normal day, and um, you know it it just circumstances went bad and i ended up you know totally dislocating crushing my left foot uh i had you know several broken bones uh tore every ligament off the left side of my foot Wow. and uh through two years of you know trying to you know play operation putting it back together uh it was decided that i'd never walk again on it so i was amputated in 2010 at walter reed and uh I started my long journey to get my life back. All right. How long did you stay at Walter Reed? Uh, almost four years. Four years.
3: Wow. That's a long time. That's a long time. All right. But, uh, Chris, I see that you belong to one heck of a lot of organizations. Uh, and again, all of these organizations are, are helping uh, the severely injured. And um, what you'd like to i like to know, and also our listeners would like to know, um, what is the F- Sentinels of Freedom?
4: Sentinels uh, of Freedom a- is a scholarship program that uh, a lot of the organizations out here today, um, they do grants, they do great work, but it's, a, it's pretty much like a one-time thing. Uh, Sentinels of Freedom took it a step further, and it's a four-year investment in you. Uh, what they do for me is they help me... Through mentoring, I have a, a, a mentoring team that uh, helps me figure out, you know, exactly where I want to go in life, and they really help me find, you know, what's next. You know, I can no longer be in the military; I can't do what I used to do. So, you know, they're gonna they're gonna help me through uh, either, you know, pursuing a college degree, pursue um, pursuing some type of, you know, training that would put me into a field that I like, or as they stand right now, they just help me with uh, daily build, like daily uh, expenses and stuff like my rent to uh, help me, you know, finish up internships that I'm involved with and uh, you know move forward with my life. Wow,
3: King Charles, were you part of this also?
1: No, I'm not. Uh, I, 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 Sometimes I think it's just a marine thing, but oh, you, know, okay. you know, you know, you um, know. I'm not sure if it's a Marine or, or Navy or Army thing. I've heard of them, but I never had a chance to walk down that track. I'm kind of envious because these guys get the job done right. They, because all the guys I've talked to that's part of it, it seemed like they're on the right track. And it's almost like a alliance team that help these guys compared to what I spoke about on our last program. We really, on the Army side, don't have a, a formal alliance team. And for some reason, the Marine Corps going out the door has that great connection, you know. Uh-huh. So as a soldier, you're kind of envious of, the, of these corps, corpsmen and Marine Corps, you know, Marines, you know, for programs like that. But you can't help say, man, these guys are getting it right.
3: That's correct. Yeah. That's correct. That's unbelievable. I mean, um, I thought maybe everyone... That was injured, uh, I have access to these organizations, but again, uh, Chris, that is a Marine thing then, the Sentinels of Freedom, correct?
4: Uh, negative. Uh, there are Army so, guys in our program. Um, oh. you know, I don't, I don't know if it's a, uh, I mean, I wasn't handpicked in any regards, but, um, you know, I, I met with them, I sat down, I sold myself, and, uh, you know, they, they were very interested in taking it to the next level and that's where I'm at today huh. I mean a, a lot of things I see you know when I went through Walter Reed and these things like that you got a lot of young kids who you know they, they wanted to serve their country but they have no idea what they want to do after the fact um, Right. I'm a little right. bit older I had a lot of life lessons even though sometimes I didn't want them but uh, it's it kind of led me to, you know, really figuring out where I want to be 20, 30 years from now. That's, that's kind of hard for guys to, uh, to really see that when they're in the hospital. Cause it's, you know, what's going to happen tomorrow? What's going to happen a month from now? And I, right. I mean, I did it when I, I spent two years on my back, you know, I gained, I gained 130 pounds. I didn't walk. I didn't do anything. And it's, you know that that's where it comes down to. You know, you either start living or you start dying. So uh you can't you give know, up. When they, when they made the right. decision to take my foot, I mean, what I, else? What else was I, I going to do? I mean, it was it was an easy decision for me.
3: Mm-hmm. Wow, you just can't
4: give up. No, you okay. can't. I mean, you just you can't. I mean, what are you going to do? If, am I going to go from being a an athlete, you know, to not ever doing anything again, and that's where golf came in. It's, it's a sport that I can compete in, and I can beat people that have nothing wrong with them, and, it, you know, that's why I jumped all over golf, and that's why I'm an avid golfer, and, mm-hmm. you know, Charles helped me with that. Charles was my mentor when I came out, you know, helping me move forward and seeing that, you know, you might have a disability, but you're not disabled. You can still do things enough that can hold you back only your mind can
3: that's true that's true and charles uh you know you went through a lot of uh um, i guess medical problems uh not not as far as you go but as far as uh going into walter reed um, and um, not getting the care that you uh, were expected to get uh what? did did, how about Chris? Did you go through that same thing as far as, um, um getting what you needed right away through Walter Reed? <laughs> uh, <laughs> that sounded, sounded
4: kind of funny, huh?
1: <laughs>
4: yeah. It, I mean, it was, it was pretty bad, uh, a couple years ago. Um, from what I've heard, a lot of things have changed. You know, they're, they're getting better. Okay. But personal experience, I mean, they stopped my heart, they put me in ICU for a week and uh, they overdosed me, almost cost me my life. Oh, wow. And uh, you know, that it was right after my amputation I was having really bad pain and uh, I guess how the story goes, I mean I don't really, to be honest with you, I don't remember the situation. I was so heavily medicated that everything I got was from the proceedings afterwards, you know, when my family absolutely exploded on the uh, Navy and the Army. But uh, apparently there was two physicians who couldn't decide on what to give me. So, you know, they had words, and then they walked away. And instead of getting one or the other, I got both doses. And uh, I got somewhere between 60 to 80 cc of morphine in about 10 minutes. Oh, jeez. My diaphragm stopped my heart. Um, I went into cardiac arrest, uh, I guess. My family was standing there when I stopped breathing, and uh, they got to watch, you know, as they rushed me down the hallway to ICU trying to revive me. And when they brought me back, I aspirated, and I had like class three pneumonia. My lungs are scarred for life, you know, wow. all because of malpractice. And that's, you know, that's a story nobody wants to hear. But that's what happened to me. I mean, it. And it was one thing after another, you know. It was. My family yes. fighting for my rights because, you know, they would, they would come in in the middle of the night and give my mom my medication and the pills and hey, when he wakes up, give this to him. It's like, you know, they kept a very strict log of what medications I was getting, what dosages. And a lot of times in the middle of the night, I wasn't getting the right medication. It was some other medication and my mom would call it on them and they ask her to leave because they're catching them, you know, not doing their jobs.
3: Wow. You know, we need to know about this, otherwise things won't change. Um, uh, Charles went through a lot. You went through a lot. Many of our, all of our, all of our uh, injured went through a lot. But again, it, nothing's going to change unless we know about it. I know the VA. I, go, I use the VA uh, nowhere near what you guys went through. Um, uh, but uh, I know they believe in that magic pill. If it hurts, hey, Garrett, let's skip some. Hey, yes.
1: Gary, what you don't understand, we're talking about the DOD ring right now. We're not even talking about the, the VA side. Oh, just you're imagine, not? Just imagine we're, we're talking, on my, my own perspective, the VA treated me 100 times better than I was being treated on the DOD side, and the treatment was egregious on the DOD side for me.
3: Wow. Wow. Yeah, so,
1: you know, mm-hmm. and what Chris is talking about, this happened at Walter E. That's not a VA facility. That's a Department okay. of DOD facility.
3: Uh, That's why our okay. most
1: wounded soldiers come back to the VA. I mean, they come back to the to Walter Reed, or oh, so they boy. go into Bams. So we come straight off the plane into Walter Reed, okay. and most of the time we have dead when we come into Walter Reed, and this is the treatment they give. You. It's All not right. even a patch job. It's like, hey, let's experiment on this guy. I, I was explaining after half of my surgeries, hey, you know, we're experimenting with this. This is the first time, so why not go for it? That's right. I right. no course because I'm a GI, government issue.
3: Right. Well, that know? thought, Charles, uh, we're going to take a real short break. Uh, this is Gary Ray along with King Charles along with our guest, Corporal Chris uh, Bowers, and we'll be right back.
2: tuned into American Heroes Network. If you want to find out more about us or to contact us with questions or comments about the show, please send an email to AmericanHeroesNetwork at gmail.com. That's AmericanHeroesNetwork at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome
3: back. Uh, we're just talking to uh, our co-host, King Charles, he was explaining about the uh, Walter Reed Hospital. Now, uh, Charles, you were saying that it is not part of the VA. It is the part of the DOD.
1: The, the Walter Reed Medical Center and Walter Reed Army Medical Center as it used to be, is the number one hospital in the world. Mm-hmm. DOD. Alright? You, you know, when it comes to Walter Reed, the most injured personnel are uh, put, put back together there. That is stop number. That's stop number two. Number one is stabilization lands to, but when you come to the U.S. side, it's going to be Walter Reed, and chances are it may go through Bams if they're a burn patient. But Walter Reed is the the buck stops right there at Walter Reed. Has nothing to do with VA. You're talking about research, the number one research hospital in the world as well, because they get a chance, a chance to test whatever they need to test on the GIs to save their life or. Just you know, whatever whatever the case is, because we are a government issue. And it uh-huh. can't be sued unless we're on leave. Most folks don't understand that. If I I took leave by accident one time, not knowing that I was going into surgery and I was chastised by my command for taking leave because if some complications would have happened, I could my family then could sue the Department of the Army in DOD because I'm on official leave.
0: Uh-huh.
1: But just sitting off leave I'm on official duty, you know, it's a horse of a different color, you know. Yes. It is what it is, you know. But I see cases like this. I see cases like Chris' case a million times over, it seems like. And, we, we, you know, you can talk to a warrior just just coming through the system now, and they'll probably tell you the care is not the way it should be. They live in a nice, nice room. Great. But we still lack the empathy. We still lack the communications. Now, certain departments do have that communication and empathy. But more so, you know, talking down to a wounded person that's wounded mentally as well as being wounded physically. There's no disconnect. If I'm wounded physically, I'm going to be wounded mentally. There's no way around it, especially when you come out of war. That's true. You know, these guys need to understand that. And then it gets, in some cases, it gets worse once you pass through the Seamless transition, which is like a 10-mile jump, you know, from the DOD to the VA system, everything drops. You lose total payments of everything for about two months. So if you're not saving and you're not fugal coming out of the DOD system, by the time the VA system starts up and that pass-off that's supposed to be seamless, you're basically homeless. So we have more homeless veterans, young OIF OEF veterans on the street than you can imagine at some right. point, And living out of cars. Still you know,
3: I I, I heard now uh, it's up to seventy thousand of our GIs are homeless out there.
1: Yeah, and with the money that we push, we push through the Department of Correction. We should kill that. You know, we should let these guys do like other countries do. You know, you want to do a, a evil deed, let these guys work for this thing. You're going right. to stay there, but if you want to, you want to facilitate certain things, you need to be working for it. Why do they need cable TV? That's right. If I create, if I create a crime or I do a crime and I go to prison or jail and, and someone break my jaw, they give me the best care you can get. Now let me fall off the DOD system coming from war. I get no coverage for dental unless it's combat related. I don't understand that. Makes no sense.
3: No, and you know how many of them are committing crimes again once they do are released uh, just to get back in because now they have a roof over their head, three square meals a day, color TV, uh, you know, uh, and, and uh, a room with a view. <laughs>
1: yeah, absolutely, yeah. Probably half of the population going back purposely just to do that, you know, because right. they feel some type of camaraderie. You know, these guys want to do things egregious. These guys want to – and I'm not, I'm not telling about – I'm talking about violent crimes. I'm not talking about someone smoking a, a joint in Washington, D.C., you know, and I'm not even going to go into that controversy if marijuana should be legal, but just getting popped for something small. I'm talking about egregious crimes, you know, <sighs> felony crimes. You know, you're going down, and you know you did something wrong, murder, and you put these guys in a, in a square, square box to themselves, and you treat them, you give them all the comfort. I mean, look at the homeless. They should almost be put in tent city. That's why I take my head off to Arizona. They do these guys the right way. Put them outside in the elements. Make them not want to come back.
3: That's right. What we're doing
1: now is building building the prisons so home-like that these guys looking forward to coming back to Pennsylvania, Utah, Kentucky, you know? Right. It it, it bewilders me. They live better than we live in a hospital. And we haven't created any crime. We just fought for our country's freedom, you know? and we treated worse than the inmates that created crimes of justice.
3: Yeah. Now Chris, do you have that I've you've probably seen a lot going on also at Walter Reed uh, while your stay you were there 4 years, correct? Yes, sir. Wow. And and you've seen other things going on um, again I, What's what's a step our listeners could take a, a step forward? And, and, you know, things are starting to happen, I heard, through you guys, actually, uh, and, you know, about the changes that they're making. Um, what can be next? I mean, what, what can anybody do to help this situation? Uh, again, I know there's not too many people that are going to go against the DOD, but what can be done? Any suggestions?
4: I mean it you know, don't get me wrong, sir. I mean there was a lot of there was a lot of good people there while I was there. I mean my physical therapist my prosthetist I mean they were they were outstanding. I mean they helped me, you know, take you know, learn how to walk again. They helped me figure out, you know, that I could play a sport, that I could do this, I could do that. Mm -hmm. Like the bad stuff, I mean you kinda did it almost cost me my life? Yes. You know, was it unforgivable? Yes. Is it getting better? Yes. I mean, it, you know, you're going to have problems with the way things are run. You're going to have problems with this and that. I mean, as long as you learn from the mistakes, you know, in my mind, you're taking a step forward. You know, when you choose to cast a blind eye to it and cover it up, it's just adding to the problem. I mean, that I think the biggest thing is they have this sense of being untouchable. I mean, no matter what they do to you, I mean, with me, I mean, it was like every other day. They wanted to stick another needle in my spine. You know, they wanted to try this. They wanted to try that. You know, I had a, I had a very invasive back surgery that I told them it didn't work, but they're like, hey, we're going to try it anyway. So my back has never been right since, but it doesn't matter because there's nothing I can do about it. I mean, you're expected just to take it in stride and, you know, just do what you've always done in the military, shut up and stand in line. And, you know, what what I would like to see is you need to educate our guys coming back on what their rights are. Mm -hmm. You know, we have the right to pick who our doctors are. You know, if you clash with a doctor because he's trying to give you, you know, at one point, I was on fentanyl, methadone, um, diluted ketamine. I mean, I, I, at one point they tried to drug me to the point where they'd have to put me in ICU. I mean, it, did it take the pain away? No. It just made me so high I didn't even know I was in pain. I mean, that's that is not helping the issue. That's just masking the problems. And that's right. You know, if these guys don't. Wanna be addicts, but then you hammer us when we become addicts. I mean, how can you expect me, you know, to be on, uh, be on these drugs and then not have a dependency issue after a year? I mean, for a year, I was on methadone. Like, how am I not supposed to be dependent on methadone after a year? I mean, that's just so unreasonable. And then, you know, they make you feel bad because you know, they, they give you no way of treating that. They just like, oh, okay, well, we'll take you off methadone and we'll put you on uh, fentanyl, which is a patch. You know, it's a three-day cycle that I think is worse. I mean, you just, it, I, I, don't, I don't see how they're helping guys by making them dependent on painkillers. But it really doesn't fix the problem of the pain itself.
3: That's true. That's I mean, true. it
4: just it, it just numbed my mind to the point where I was just, I think I watched every season of NCIS, and I just sat there. <laughs> okay. I mean, I couldn't do anything. That's I right. I couldn't really function. And it destroyed me. It wasn't until I got off everything, I just said, I don't want it anymore. I'll deal with the pain my own way. I don't want it. And they're like, well, you know, here, we'll take 200, you know, Oxycontin just in case. hmm I mean, so they throw it at you like candy, but it doesn't—it doesn't fix the problem. It, it's like taking Nyquil if you have a cold. it gonna make you feel better. 50-50. it's probably just gonna make you sleep, and then your body's gonna fight, you know, the infection anyways. And that's—that's that's the problem I see. Is you have a lot of these guys who are addicts, and then the DoD wipes the hands of them, and then you wonder why these kids, these young kids are doing the bad things they're doing, is because there's no there's no back end to it. Mm-hmm. I mean, oh, luckily I had a great support system with my family, and uh, I had a doctor that understood what I was trying to do. It wasn't that I was trying to be tough. is that I didn't want to live a life of an addict.
3: That's true.
4: I don't and believe that's, you know, that's where I stand on the issue. I mean, they're getting better. There are good people there. You know, are there some bad ones? Yes. Do they treat guys poorly? Yes. But there are good people there, and there are people that are there for the right reasons. And, you know, as long as you have one bright star in a sky black, you know, you're still doing something.
3: Right. Well, I never said it, you know, as far as the people. I know the people are the caring ones. Uh, It's just procedures. Procedures are the thing that blows it out of proportion. Um, And if there's any way that, uh, you know, we have to be aware of those procedures in order for them to be changed. And hopefully, hopefully they are slowing down and changing those procedures to help. Uh, I think that's what it's all about. Procedure changes.
4: I mean, they wouldn't, they wouldn't lift a finger. If you had an issue when I was there,
3: uh-huh.
4: they wouldn't do anything until you called a newspaper or you called in, you know, a congressional inquiry. They wouldn't mm-hmm. do anything because they're untouchable. Well, what are you gonna do? You know, you, okay, you lost a leg. You know, it leads me into my Purple Heart thing. I, I didn't get a Purple Heart. I wasn't deemed qualified for a Purple. I lost my leg serving in Iraq due to an mm-hmm. injury that I sustained. Now, my best friends stepped on IEDs and lost both legs, or a leg and an arm. And seeing them and where they're at today, I don't want it. They can keep it. You know, whether or not I deserve it. You know, that's that's perception. You know, am I going to fight for it? it's true. I don't think it. I don't think it. I don't think it's worth it. I mean, I know who I am. Mm-hmm. You know, I know. What happened to me and where I come from, and I don't think a metal, you know, proves that um, any more or less of a man. And I, I, that's why I'm so active in the organizations I am active with because I know what it did for me and making me feel better and faster. And I want that to be around for the next group of guys that come.
3: Right, Charles. You have a question pertaining to any of this? Uh, yeah, I
4: heard what Chris say. Um, and this is a,
1: you know, it's, it seemed like what's going, what went on with Chris with the Purple Heart issue is, uh, systemic through the whole system. It's what they call combat recourse. Uh, commands, you're not in their favor. Cause I've seen guys, you know, and they blame it, you know, you know, they are blaming on past, past wars. Vietnam, there's a storm. They was getting our Purple Hearts, like, lollipops, which I very seriously doubt, you know, by being the state commander of Merrill Military Order Purple the Purple Heart. It's not to limit that Purple Heart's being passed out, but if your base is under an attack and the an incident happened in the course of that, I think you qualify. And it's all about guys like Chris. It's all about guys like Josh that won in great favors with the command. The command has a, a problem with them, personality. You know, disorder on the command part because they should be a little more above having a personality. But we know because we served in combat. Even I've seen some personal personality discourse in my command because that's my way of giving. Why give him that honor? Why give right. him that honor? Because he, he deserved that honor. You know, something was done to him. It wasn't like he went out there and said, "Let me jump." You know. In a lion's den, or let me run in front of a truck and get hit, try to get purple heart. No, no, he wasn't trying to get a purple heart. You know, the injury got him. And these commands, the blindfolds, need to be taken off, and some of these commanders need to be sought out and tried for their crime because that is a crime. You know, for all intents purposes, it's it's direct discrimination because maybe I don't like this guy because he's from here. Well, I don't like this guy because he's from there. I just don't like this guy. You know, I've seen bronze stars, you know, without valor, given to a whole command because they write their own awards that don't deserve it because it it was in the tank the whole time. The tank is you never left tank base. You was on base the whole time. You never went outside and CIBs, CABs, all this stuff given because it was in theater, you know. (sighs) They know that they know the policies, they know the regulations, but do they care? No. Do they look out for their man? No. You know, Mm -hmm. are they suffering from probably PTSD? Absolutely. Uh huh. Are we officially checking these guys for PTSD commands? Absolutely not. We just throw them out into another episode of war. And luckily you may get killed and you'll have to suffer as much as most of us that came back suffer. You know, that's Mm -hmm. the, that's the outrageous. I saw that guys like me and Chris see every day because we are in the wounded warrior community. So most of our friends are what wounded warriors because we have so much in common. It seems like by being injured and being in the hospital so long, we basically, you know, the only communication and only persons we can basically trust are the wounded warrior community. It seems like everybody else, you know, as they say, "couple the wounded warriors." Or let's let's treat let's mistreat this guy, or let's misquote this guy. It happens all the time. You know, yeah. we look at certain commercials, and they're definitely being pimped out. You know, certain you know certain wounded warriors. But at the same time, you know, a lot of good guys are doing great things. I'll tell you one guy you don't want to get on the golf course with. is Chris. Chris hits the ball <laughs> with Chris three fifteen. I mean, he's like a pro, and it makes me mad because I I brought him into the game and. I see a guy like this walking out, I'm laughing the first time I saw him, I'm like, yeah, he looks like a middle linebacker, cause you know how those Marines just fall muscle. <laughs> uh-huh. he walks out there like, yeah, yeah, I'm gonna hit this ball. And I'm like, yeah, whatever, guy. You got, you got one leg, you can't outdrive me. And I'm looking at him, you <laughs> gotta be crazy. <laughs> this guy must have been born with a club in his hand, you know? He's hitting as straight as a, as an arrow in all power. Like, you, you know? So don't ever take, you know, don't ever play a tournament against him, because, <laughs> He, he's smoking it. You know, he's tearing it up, just like these other wounded Warriors. They took a new emphasis on life. And that golf became a guideline and a guidance on, them, on their mannerism and just them. It, it revitalized, revitalized the actual warrior. Took their mind off all this other stuff. And then Chris became a great spokesperson, you know. Uh, and he has a story to tell. He's a, he's a great guy. And I look up to guys like Chris. And they may say I don't, but, you know, believe me, these guys are great guys, whether it's Marines, Army, Navy, Air Force. You know, great guys.
3: Great guys. Uh-huh. So, Chris, you beat him out on the golf course? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Nah, well, that's, that's one thing you guys have in common. You you're both belong to the SMGA, which is a fantastic organization. Um, uh, it helps. It helps with uh, even even adaptive equipment, doesn't it?
4: Yes. Yeah. Depending on your injury, like um, one of my best friends is uh, uh, Nicholas Tom. He uh, he's a bilateral above knee amputee, and he lost three fingers. And uh, we got him a paragolfer. We got him custom clubs uh, because because of his injury. He sits in a in a paragolfer. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that device. It's a it's a three-wheel strike that has a, a seat that actually stands him up so he's over top of the ball, and he's strapped in, and he can swing, full swing, you know, with, with ease. Wow. And, uh, we, we got his club fitted with, I think it's a five or eight degree down angle so that, you know, because he doesn't stand like the rest of us, his club still lays flat on the ground. And that's all part of the SMGA thing is we're going to get you out there and we're going to get you to play. You know, what you do with it, if you want to, you know, play every day, you can play every day. If you want to play every weekend, mm-hmm. you can play every weekend. If you just want to mm-hmm. play a couple times, you know, there's no stress. It, You know, it's, it's a great program that we've just, you know, I've, I've been a part of for a while now. And seeing so many classes come through and different guys come through, you know, it's, it's really neat to see how it affects just just the sport. I mean, as men, we naturally compete. I mean, whether it's who has the best yard or Christmas lights, you know, we just compete. And when you get injured, you lose that. You know, oh, man, I'm never going to be able to play football again or never going to be able to play soccer again. But you give us something that we can take time and get good at and all of a sudden I can compete again, you better watch out, man. I'm telling you. (laughs) It's a powerful thing.
3: You know, I guess you both—you both have told me uh, at one time uh, that golf saved your lives. Is that correct? Absolutely. Yeah. No, that is something else. Uh, I mean, if you're—you're you're not only doing good at it, you're helping others. I think that's the big picture. The big picture. And I did see uh, uh, on the site, on the SMGA site, uh, I think that—I think I saw it. It was a unit that he would lean against. And he'd be able to swing uh, at the balls uh, again it was a you know something that they they specialized well they specialized in getting them what he needed in order to golf Correct. yeah that was great it's great now on the bright side of things there's another organization you were in Long Beach weren't you uh, yes. Chris yes. a Waterfront Warriors organization now that sounds like a pretty good organization. Why don't you tell our listeners uh, more about that? It involves the community, doesn't it?
4: Yes, it does. It's uh, Waterfront Warriors is a uh, it's a retreat, not just for you. A lot of the programs that they offer is just for the vet, and um, you know it's awesome. But you know your family's with you in the hospital, so a lot of times these guys have to leave their families to go in these events, and you know, Waterfront Warriors decided that that wasn't going to happen. So they invited, I think it was 18 or 20 families the first year Uh to go to Long Beach, New York uh, for three or four days and, you know, just enjoy their community. And they have a great community. Uh, I've been twice. I mean, they're just just—they're great people. And what they specialize in is, you know, let's take all the stress out of daily life and, you know, let's try to give you a taste of of home to the to the life that you're gonna have when you leave the hospital
3: all right all right you know it seemed like uh, whenever i read something you belong to you know all you guys belong to so many organizations i don't even know where you find the time to participate <laughs> you know here's another one uh operation second chance uh, you were you were in sarasota florida uh, enjoying the warm weather i hope that was when it was cold up north and, uh, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, again, they're another nonprofit. Um, and, uh, why don't you tell us about that one,
1: too? Yeah, tell them about the squat, the squat hunt as well, Chris, while you're at it. Okay, the what the squat hunt down in, in, down in Florida, while you're at it,
4: too. While operations oh. Yeah, operations. Yeah, uh, Charles got me into that, too. You know, a lot of these organizations I'm involved with are because of guys like Charles who, uh, Say, hey, hey, brother, you know, you look like you, you need some time away. You know, let's go do this. And, you know, because, you know, Charles is who he is, I'm like, okay, because a lot of times you don't know what you're walking into. But Operation Second Chance, it's, uh, it's an outlet for you to be a guy, go hang out with guys, do guy stuff. Like, you know, pretty much, if you want to hunt waterfowl, go find a place for you to hunt waterfowl. If you want to hunt a boar, an elk, you know, a deer, anything, you know, that you haven't or are interested in trying, they'll get you out there and it'll give you an opportunity. Uh, Mark Hook and Billy Dove have been outstanding for me, and it's actually become a little bit of a obsession, I would say. <laughs> I've, uh, I've totally been involved um, in the last year, and, you know, pretty much anything I can do for him, I do. uh They're just great people and they give you a sense of, you know, this is for you guys. I don't want to take a picture and, you know, if you're not comfortable with it, I don't want to parade you around to try to get corporate sponsors. I just want you guys to enjoy being together out in the woods, having a good time. And, uh, the Sarasota trip, um, that's spearheaded by, uh, uh, Major Kevin Kenny. He is the, uh, I guess second in command for the Sarasota Sheriff's Department. And they do a SWAT roundup every year, where the SWAT team takes the guys out and they kill a couple pigs. And um, he's got really good contacts with the fishing community down there. Caught my first tarpon, took like an hour and fifteen minutes. I mean, I've (laughs) never, I've never been whipped that bad. I mean, that was like, I mean, I got beat like I stole something. I mean, it was, it was, it was a a tough fish to land, but uh, it was good. and. You know, that wouldn't have been possible unless we had patriots out there who saw a need, you know, to help these guys transition back to normal life.
3: Now, is this your first time uh, deep-sea fishing? Um,
4: no. I, I've yep. deep-sea fished uh, before. I've never never even went after tarpon or a redfish or a trout anything like that. So that was... That was a really neat experience. Um, I've been fishing my whole life. I grew up in Fairfax, Virginia, which is right by the Rapidan and Rappahannock River. So it was all, you know, small species, I guess you could say. But uh-huh. I mean, you gotta. I've got a picture on my computer, to my back screen. It, that tarpon's easily eight and a half, nine feet long. I mean, it, it was the biggest fish I've ever seen. All right. And, I mean, it, it was awesome. It was just so cool to have that experience. And uh, mm-hmm. we actually had Nick on that trip, and they had him strapped in to a uh, safety on a periscoping chair just so it wouldn't pull him in the water. And he fought a fish that was probably twice the size of mine for over an hour. And it, it got wrapped around a booty line and snapped off. But, I mean, it, it was just so neat to see – him fight that fish, you know, because he, I don't think he grasped how big it was until it jumped out of the water, and then the look on his face was priceless. I mean, (laughs) mean, that's what it's all about, is, you know, getting those memories so that these guys can somewhat let go of all the bad stuff that's happened the last years in their life. Right. Focus on, you know, the positive. You know, what's going to come 10 years from now is going to be so much better than what's happening right now.
3: That's true. That's true. Well, everybody keep that thought. It's time to take another short break. You're listening to the American Heroes Network, powered by Voice America, on the Variety Channel, and we'll be right back.
2: Are tuned into American Heroes Network. If you want to find out more about us or to contact us with questions or comments about the show, please send an email to American Heroes Network at gmail.com. That's American Heroes Network at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back. We we're just talking about uh, some experiences fishing.
3: I'd like to share mine, and I'm going to get into this boar hunt thing that uh, is going to be down in South Florida. But you're right. You always remember the good times. Uh, I remember, oh, this was probably 10 years ago, I went deep-sea fishing myself, well, not by myself, in a boat, <laughs> okay, with about uh, five or six other guys. And uh, we were out in the waters, and we are stopped because for some reason the captain stopped the boat, and he says, well, hang on a minute before we start up. And we looked out in the back, and we saw the blue waters starting to turn black, and it started coming towards the boat. And it was kind of freaky because we didn't know what it was. The captain did, but he wasn't going to tell us. He said, put your, po- put your lines in the water. Don't even worry about bait. Um, <laughs> well, yeah. it was the school of amberjacks, and uh, it, yeah, and I'll tell you they hit. They were jumping out of the water just to eat the hook. Uh, We had no bait on them, and we were just pulling them in as fast as we could pull them in. The guys behind the 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 crew would unhook it, you know, take the hook out, and we'd throw it back in. We didn't even get it; didn't even hit the water. Another one would hit. We were up to over our knees as far as amberjacks went. Uh, Of course. Nobody eats amberjacks, <laughs> so I don't know. Uh, but that was an experience and something I'll never, ever forget. And, and until that happens to you, uh, because it's, uh, he's captain said it happens uh, with just about every school, different type of fish. I'd love to have it hit with uh, uh red snapper or grouper.
4: Yeah, <laughs> yeah that would be great. <laughs> yeah, not but,
3: <laughs> but anyway, getting back to uh, the South Florida thing, uh, we're talking about boar hunting. Uh, who wants to open up with that?
1: Hey, Chris, you take the lead on that because you're the shooter.
4: All right. <laughs> uh, the boar hunt, it's a, it's a SWAT roundup. It's a, a SWAT team um, from Sarasota, Florida. It takes guys out every year, and uh, they're all feral pigs. And a lot of these farmers are like, you know, you need to get these out of here. I mean, they're tearing up my fields. So, I mean, we're more than obliged to go down there and kill a few pigs. But uh, it's a really neat event. I mean, you get to see, you know, the SWAT guys, like their weapons, their tactics. And, uh, you know, really, I mean, I bonded really well with the guys that are down there. I mean, they're, they're just like us. I mean, they have fun. You know, that the law enforcement gets a lot of bad rap these days. And uh, to see them out there having a good time, and you know, it's about you. And I'm very humbled to, you know, have all these, you know, Experiences that I've been able to do—that you know—it's—you it, know—it's humbling to go down to a community you've never met before, and as soon as you walk in, you're like, you know, a son to one of these guys, or you know, you just you develop these relationships that that last beyond that three-day trip. I mean, I, I still talk to the guys that I met down there, and hey, it's great. I mean, at one point we do a night shoot where we're out there with, you know, their night vision. <laughs> And, uh, you know, to see the guys laughing and having a good time, I mean, it was it was awesome. I mean, you don't get that experience every day. And it just shows you that, you know, we're not out of the fight yet. I mean, I, I know DOD says we can't serve anymore, but, you know, if we keep pushing for these programs and keep it going, you know, a guy 10 years from now is going to have this experience. And it it changed my life to see what's out there and, I mean, I, I probably would have never gotten that opportunity if this wouldn't have happened to me. But I'm okay with that. I mean, I'm—I think I'm a better person today than I was before my injury. Yeah, absolutely.
1: And on my perspective is, you know, to see guys like like myself uh, in introspect, and to see guys like Chris and Tom and you know. And the way other guys, Ramon, out there playing, it brings a tear to your eye. You're like, man, you know something? It's great to know that was a part of this moment, you know, to see us down there like the Masters, to see us at the PGA Championship or the, the Players' Championship, you know, the Ryder Cup, you know, because different organizations or different corporates say, hey, let's get a group of these guys here on our dime. We just want to see them have a good time. And that's what it's all about, just that moment. Believe it or not, uh, one moment can change a person, no matter what's the injury, no matter what the situation or circumstance. Just that one moment can change the walk in the life of that person. And I've seen this happen so many times. And while seeing that it happen, it actually healed me just that much more. So to see guys like Chris having fun, unless they beat me at the game of golf, you know, it's just breathtaking now chris is a different monster when it comes to golf and hunting and that's i'm an avid hunter as well we just love that stuff so yeah any of you guys down in florida or texas or any of those good places like that hey feel free to uh contact me or chris or whoever or contact the the heroes network and uh we'll be more obliged to come down there we love hunting but we just love having fun because this this gives us one more one more moment one more moment uh, solitude and I have to explain my situation because I was so severely injured. I still suffer TBI issues. So certain words, you know, I don't, I, I cross up from time to time and some folks think it's uh, southern sling. Cool. I'm a Virginia boy. I can take that. It's not a problem, but it's just great to have fun and feel normal for just a moment. You know, even though we are normal, but we still have to live with this hidden injuries. We still have to live with the thoughts of guys lost in war. We still have to live with our own atrocities, you know. And this takes our mind off. It, it gives us a, a mode of salvation, as I call it. And uh, I love fishing. So, you know, so I still envy you, Gary, because you're down there with some great fishing and just great sport down in Florida, you know. And uh, we am definitely waiting to come down there, me and Chris, and have some more fun. But, Like I said, Chris is the avid hunter and I'm on his tail trying to be as good as he is. You know, and he has a great supporting factor as family. His family is just incredible. Great support team. And like me and you talked before, it's all about the support team sometimes, uh, Gary. Um, because not all wounded warriors get this this good grasp of support team. Uh I've seen several guys while they in the ICU while they're going through treatment. Their the bank accounts were being raided, or their wives or their husbands leaving them and taking all their money. You know, like it's a, like it's just some honorably, and then they say, "Hey, well, I ain't got time to babysit you, or I don't have time for your injuries. I'm not injured." But in retrospect, if you thought about it, and this happens with the warning Ward committee, you know, our community, if that had happened to our wives or our husbands or whatever the case is, it would have been there by their side. You know. That's a bad taste you get, and a lot of our guys go through
4: that. Absolutely. My wife left because she was tired of being with a hurt guy. So I had to deal with that, but, you know, it, it is what it is. That was a choice she made, and, you know, it's hard, but you move through it. I mean, it, she's tired of living an amputee life where it's not easy for me to do the things they used to do, and she remembers me back when I was a stud. Little does she know that I'll be a stud again one day. I mean, it. It's a work in progress, but I'm getting better. I'm getting healthier. So.
1: Yeah, I guess you have to stop wearing those speedos all the
4: time, Chris, because you do
1: look like a model. You're one of those San Diego guys. And you know, it's, you know, that's the only, we can only make light of, we really can't make light of a situation like that because that is horrendous. You know, you catch a person at their lowest point and you do something. It shows the fabric of that person. And the bad thing about it, We see this every day, and then we wonder what is the great connection with wounded warriors and suicide? It's our kissing cousin. We fight that more so than anything else. Just don't want to see another day sometime because it seems like all the tables are turned against you. And what have you done? You done You haven't done anything wrong. You just signed up for the ticket.
3: Our show is coming to a close, and I would like to thank Staff Sergeant Charles Eggleston and Corporal chris bowers for taking the time out of their busy schedule to share their true story of an american hero this is gary ray signing off and thanks for listening be sure to tune in again next tuesday for another american hero
2: story Thank you again for joining us for this week's edition of american heroes network please join gary ray and ted griffin jr again next tuesday at 8 a.m pacific time 11 a.m eastern time on the voice america variety channel have a great week
0: and management.